Hi, football fan, and welcome to the home of football. This is a special episode of our podcast with Ilkay Gundogan from Manchester City. We made this episode in collaboration with the UNHCR. That's the United Nations Refugee Agency. They help refugees all over the world, and Ilkay is one of their supporters. For this special episode, Ilkay did an interview with Yusra Mardini. She's an Olympic swimmer and a former refugee from Syria. She's also a goodwill ambassador for the UNHCR. They scheduled a call to shine light on what it's like to be a refugee. And because March is also Women's Month, they also talked about the women who inspire them in the world of sports and in their personal lives. The two of them had a beautiful conversation. I think Ilkay did an excellent job as an interviewer. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Welcome to the home of football. Yeah, hi, hi Yusra. Uh, it's a pleasure hi. for me to meet you. Uh, thank you very much for your time. It's a big privilege. I've heard a of lot course. about you. I've read a lot about you. But um, yeah, I would like to. I would like to hear also maybe some stuff in person. That would be very nice, actually. Um, I know that you had that you were forced to flee. That you were forced to flee your country, your home, um, maybe even parts of your family. Um, and actually, my first question would be if you. Actually, when that, when that was exactly, and um, how vivid your memories are still, you know, how much how much of it you remember, and uh, maybe if you can tell me a little bit what happened exactly that day, you know, that would be great for me to know. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy, and congratulations on the win yesterday. Um, yeah, it's an honor for me also to talk to you and to tell you a bit about my story. Uh, so yeah, I came to Germany almost. Now it's almost seven years ago, which is crazy. I came in 2015 and the reason why I left was war. I left with my older sister when I was 17 years old. Um, we we crossed almost, um, let's say, six or seven countries to, to get to Germany. And um, yeah, it's actually quite emotional for me at the moment to see what's happening in Ukraine and so on, because it's bringing back lots of emotions and I know the feeling of just leaving everything behind and running away for your life um, to protect your family, to protect yourself, to um, to be safe um, in a house or apartment or whatever. Uh, but yeah, uh, the memories are always with me. Uh, my story became a huge part of my life uh, because I became a goodwill ambassador for UNHCR. I decided to advocate and use the story so yeah i remember everything and um a huge part of my family is still in syria so um yeah i, I always know what's happening in syria and still work with refugees so everything is very very present until today yeah um so do, do you remember actually the day that you were that that uh, that you left I remember the month, actually, um, it was, we left in August in 2015. And I think we left like mid or end of August. I have that like in the pictures, I have some pictures in Turkey that I took uh, because we stayed there for a whole week before we started the whole journey. Because when you get to Turkey, you have to figure out how you're going to go, with whom, um, so yeah, I don't remember the day specifically, but the month. But you said you, you, you were forced to flee with your sister, yeah? Correct? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, for me, someone who always kind of had a privileged life, you know, I, I never was in an extreme situation like that. And I can't imagine how it feels, to be honest, also such, in such a young age. Um, but were, what kind of people were there to help you, actually? I mean, it was just your sister and yourself at the moment, two, two women, you know, two girls. Um, I don't know yeah. how old your sister is, to be honest, but um, I mean, there was no man, you know, there was no, no father, no brother, nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that must be even even more difficult, I can imagine, you know, to be just uh, yes. by yourself. Um, was there yeah. anyone kind of giving you guidelines, you know, or I don't know, yes. uh, giving you support? And if yes, who was it? Yeah. So um, before we left and did the whole journey, my dad said he would not send us two girls on our own. I mean, alone, going without the parents. I was 17. My sister was, um, she was 20. Uh, she's three years older than me. So it was very, very hard for my family to say, okay, we let the two girls go. So we left with my dad's cousin, which was like around 25 years old, also very young. And my other cousin that was also as old as I am, uh, he was 17 as well at the time. So basically they were the two people that we trusted on the way and they were with us the whole time. Uh, but in the end, sometimes even if you have family on the way sometimes we had to take decisions against what they decided me and my sister and my younger cousin decided to go with a group of people my oldest cousin did not want to go with us so we separated so even if you have someone it's crazy that it's such a gut feeling on the way that if you feel just comfortable with the people you just go because in the end um, yeah, I met 30 people in, on the island in, in Turkey before crossing to, to Greece. And those people, yeah, they did, they became family in like 24 hours. And I trusted them in 24 hours. The women were like sleeping in the middle because we had to stay on the island for four days. So the women were sleeping in the middle. The men would like protect them. And, um, it was just, it did not feel like I'm running away those 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 days because I felt like those people are my family. So it's really, really a gut feeling on the way. But yeah. those people were totally unknown for you as well before, yeah? You never yeah. met them before. You never knew anything about them. Yeah, yeah that's true. But um, yeah, as I said, those people came to like share their food with us, protect us while we were sleeping without even knowing us. So this is something that made me even still believe in the good in the world there is good wherever you go there are of course bad people who once wanted to steal the money or whatever but um at that point it was just a gut feeling that we felt those people are um honest they are they're truthful to us they they're kind people so we just trusted them yeah and we were lucky obviously to to have good people by our side did you, did you know when you when you leave you you you, you didn't have any destination yeah you didn't know where you're gonna end up No. So to be honest, I had in mind a little bit of Germany because I, even when I was doing the whole journey, I was thinking about swimming. I think you can relate to that. It's always uh, sport and swimming became a huge part of my life that whatever I do in life, I think about it. And I always like, as example, I saw Paul Bitterman, he's a really, really successful swimmer. Uh, I saw Preta Steffen, like I saw lots of swimmers um, when I was younger, German swimmers that were good. So a part of me wanted to end up in Germany because of swimming and because I wanted to uh, become more professional and become better. But 
you you could not really decide whatever country opens the door you 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 crossed but yeah we we had germany in mind from from the beginning before before i ask uh, a few questions about swimming uh, and i go deeper um how, how long did it take you actually to leave your home country to leave syria and to arrive in germany what was like the total amount of time Yeah, um, crazy enough, that was 25 days. It took us 25 days to cross. And we crossed from... Back then, you did not need a visa to go to Turkey. You did not need a visa to go to any Arabic country. So we get we went with the plane from Damascus to Beirut. And then from Beirut to Istanbul, also with a plane. In Turkey, you find basically a smuggler that takes you from Turkey to Greece. And then from Istanbul, you take a dinghy. And then um, it's supposed to be like 45 minutes because it's the closest island in Turkey to the closest island in, in Greece. But unfortunately, our our boat was broken before we were, were even on it. And 15 minutes later, the motor stopped and um, we had to throw everything, all of our belongings. And then um, my sister jumped in the water. I jumped from the other side. Two other people jumped from the back and we tried to, you know, stabilize the boat. I was young and um, yeah, we tried to hold the rope with one arm and then tried to swim with another. And unfortunately this was three hours and a half until we made it to the shore in Greece. I mean, That sounds very scary to me, actually. I mean, you know, in the middle of the sea and... The smugglers don't always tell you what's going to happen. We called police, like we called the Greek police. We called, uh, we called them and everything and no one cared really. They were like, what, what do you want us to do? And um, the only people that can save us is us. So it was just, we were lucky that everyone on the boat was very cooperative Uh, we were very helpful. We threw everything outside of the boat. Some people were getting the water out of, out of the boat. And um, yeah, we were lucky enough to get to the other side. Like being a swimmer is something, but swimming in the sea with 20 other people or 19 other people is something very, very different. And for them, I, what I know, I did like the, the lifeguard um, when I was in Syria. When someone is afraid, they pull you down, they hit you like... You do not know what's going to happen if something's going to flip on you, the boat or whatever. So being in such a situation, if you're a swimmer or not, it's very, very scary. Yeah. Um, and in Greece, you have to go by foot. And then from Greece to Macedonia, Macedonia, Serbia, it's all by foot. And then from Serbia, you need someone to take you as a smuggler to Hungary or to take you to Vienna immediately. And those, obviously, we saw the horrific scenes of being people being crumped in the back of a truck or whatever. So that was a really, really scary. The two points that were very, very scary to us was crossing from Turkey to Greece and crossing from Hungary to Germany. Um, but yeah, we were stuck in Hungary in the end. And then uh, Macker sent us sent buses to the refugees. So we were lucky enough to be on those buses. Um, and yeah, so it took us 25 days to, to reach Germany. I can, I, I can just imagine how, how scary also uh, parts of these trips yeah. are. And yeah, uh, I, sh I should send you the book. And there's a movie also coming out at the end of this year, so. Yeah, I would love to. Um, 
When you arrived in Germany, I mean, I was born in Germany, so obviously I'm very familiar with this country and um, I know that they take as good as possible care of people, you know. Yeah. What what was the situation like? Like, how did you how did you fit in? How did you settle? And how quick yeah. as well? Uh, to be honest, for me, I, I settled very, very quickly in Germany because of sport. Uh, when I arrived, it was a bit hard for me because... I wasn't open to learning German. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. Um, and in general, but in general, people were so kind. I went to a club uh, that was called um, Wasserfront Spandau 04. It's in Berlin. And um, they were so kind to us. They gave us clothes. They took care of us. They, um, I had two times training. I was focusing on my goals and everything. Of course, it was hard in the beginning to just um, say, okay, this is my new country or, or to feel like you belong. But right now when I travel and I go anywhere, I say I'm going home, which is something very amazing to, to, to have the feeling of belonging again. And, um, of course my country is my first home forever, but, um, Germany also offered me the stability, offered us peace, offered us so many opportunities. So I'm also very, very thankful for that. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I've, from my personal, like, kind of experiences, I know that sports is always a way of, you know, like, fitting yeah. as, as quick as possible. And, uh, it always makes it, yeah. it always makes it so easy, you know. Um, yeah. even though with you, there was still, there was still, you know, this language barrier. Um, yeah. did you have lessons did you, and how quick was it for you? That, that's a, that's a very funny story because, um, when I arrived to Germany, I did not speak any German, uh, and, I had a coach until the Olympic Games, the first Olympic Games, who um, was always speaking English to me. And then I changed coaches and my coach was from Cuba. And but he married a German woman and he speaks only German. So I was forced to, to speak only German, even if I don't understand, even if he doesn't understand. So that was the beginning. And then I went to sports school where they did not allow anyone of the students to talk English to me. So, and I was a listener in the school for a whole year, which helped me a lot. Um, and I had a few private lessons, but I never really went to, to like language school. No, I just learned from the people around me. And how much did that influence your kind of training? You know, I mean, um, was there any, I can imagine there were problems, you know, with your trainers, with your coaches. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, would you say maybe even, you know, arriving in Germany, I don't know, made, made it made you even a better swimmer? 100%, yeah. Um, in Syria, I didn't have the possibility to train twice. I didn't have, we didn't have the facilities or the money to, to, to put in. And I was very, very lucky after I arrived uh, a year later, I was a part of the first ever refugee Olympic team. I went to the Olympics and I had a scholarship from the IOC where um, it was possible for me to invest in myself. It was possible for me to push myself to go to training camps. And um, yeah, after after two years uh, of the Olympics, I also moved to Hamburg. I decided to train in the Olympic Center and 90% of the people I know are swimmers. So I, I think that tells a lot. Um, and yeah, but like coming to Germany 100% uh, It helped me get to the goal I wanted to help, to to get to, and um, yeah, the people are very supportive. And once they see, I think you know, as a German, once they see that you're really working hard for it, they have so much respect for you. And this is exactly what happened here as well. 
And you're now in Hamburg, is that correct? Yeah, yes. Uh, do you, you live by yourself or? No, I live actually with another swimmer. And she's also an Olympic swimmer. Um, yeah, and uh, we've been living together for two years now. Oh, you're perfectly settled in now. You're happy. You yeah. Have, you have a group of friends. You have people. Like, yeah. Are you are you happy in general with your life there? Yeah, I'm. I'm very very happy, and I I uh, I even applied for my German passport now, and I'm waiting for that. So um, I am I'm in general very happy. My family is in Berlin. I can visit them whenever I want. I have so many friends here. You know the weather. We don't need to talk about in Germany, but other <laughs> otherwise everything's amazing. I I could have made an upgrade probably anywhere else apart from England. So England is a downgrade. So is it worse than Germany? It is actually. I think it's worse. Oh yeah. no! I think it's worse. <laughs> and then obviously, 2016 and 2020, you went to the Olympic Games, correct? Yeah. Both yes. as an athlete, um, okay. how was that for you? I mean, that was probably the highlight of your of your young yeah. career so far, I guess. It was uh, crazy for me because since I was like nine years old, I wanted to to be at the Olympic Games, and there was a point of my life where I left swimming for a whole year. I, I think as an athlete, you understand that at some point you're like, okay, I don't want to do this. Don't talk to me. I don't want to see any of you. I'm leaving. And uh, for me, it was just a frustration. I did not, I was supposed to go to the Youth Olympic Games when I was in Syria, but then something political happened and I wasn't allowed because of politics, even though I was the fastest swimmer. And after that, I, I was I was pressured a lot because of war and also my dad, which was my coach for the longest I can remember, left the country. So all of that made me quit this, the, the sport. Um, and then, uh, yeah, a year later, I was talking to my mom and dad crying. I was like, I should have been there in the competition. I should have like, I'm better than her or whatever, you know, competitive sport. Um, and then I decided to go back to swimming a few months before, before, uh, leaving to Germany. And when I came back, to, when I came here to Germany, I was going out for running. Like I was doing so many, uh, core workouts and whatever. And my sister was like, what are you training for? You don't even have a pool. And I was like, I don't know. I'm just, I want to stay in shape. You never know what happens. And then after that, lucky enough, I met um, this coach, and and we went to we went to like the swimming club, which where they supported me. The coach saw that the ISC is offering some scholarships for the refugees around the world, and I got the scholarship. And then, crazy enough, I was included in the team, and uh, that made me change the whole way I think about what a refugee is and helped me also make people understand that a refugee is a normal human being who, you know, I had, there, there are so many wrong ideas about Syria and about what Syria is and about uh, people thinking that people who come from Syria had nothing, which is not true. I was educated. I knew how to speak English already and everything. So, um, yes, yeah, sport and being at the Olympics twice helped me have this um, effective voice to help people who do not have voice, especially. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, but uh, maybe you can also tell, um, I guess also this is a big, uh, big part of why you work now with UNHCR and yes. why it's so important for you. I mean, I read you, you already work several years together. Um, 
you know, um, and you're a role model, I, 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 I'm Thank sure, for, for a lot of people out there, for a lot of young people especially. So probably this is also the reason, I guess, uh, why it, this topic is so important for you, isn't it? Yes. Um, so when I started working with UNHCR, I was very young and they helped me a lot with understanding more about refugees. I started visiting camps. I started, I started meeting so many people that are interested in the topic. And I started also seeing the work that UNHCR um, does and still do. And before, before that, I was a refugee, but I was, I wasn't as open as I am today to, to, to knowing more, to helping more. I didn't know that I could help, you know, and this is what I like the most important thing to me, uh, seeing normal people who had no refugee, no background, no refugee background, nothing to do with refugees come and decide to work with refugees, decide to help. That to me is, is something very, very, um, amazing and, and brings hope. And that's why I started working with the NHCR because I know exactly um, how hard they work to help refugees to provide uh, in the camps all around the world. Um, they have so many resources and um, yeah, if I have a voice to help, why not? And um, yeah, we've been working together since a few years now and um, I like all of them. I've worked with many, many people and uh, I'm honored to be a part of their team, of course. I think that's all for me, actually. Thank you very much for, <laughs> for explaining for me, to me and uh, sharing your, Are you ready? your incredible story. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Of course, of course. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I also have a few questions. And first of all, um, it's also curious for me to just understand why did you decide to work with UNHCR? You said like you didn't have a refugee background, nothing. So it's curious for me to know. I think maybe also because of the complete opposite reasons that you have. But I think also, you know, my family um, is actually from Turkey. Um, my grand grandfather, my grandparents were, were the first ones to arrive uh, in Germany um, a lot of years uh, back then. Um, and they came for work. Uh, my grandfather came for work. Um, mm. And um, even though he was not a refugee, um, you can imagine that um, his experiences were, were similar to the one a refugee, a refugee has to do, has to make. Um, he, he had to find work, he had to find friends, he had to uh, learn the, the language, um, he had to adapt to a new life in a new country with, uh, with a new culture, people that he never met before. Um, and you know, um, I, 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 I feel so privileged that um, that I was born in Germany, you know, in a, in a country that's stable, where you get good education, you have a good healthcare system. Um, and I think my life um, has always been made so easy by, by, by my family, by the people around me. Um, but I still know how to appreciate, you know, um, all of this. I, I think I, I never forgot um, where I'm actually from. Um, I went every year back to Turkey to see my grandparents who actually stayed over there <laughs> for my mama, for my mom's side. Um, I went to see my family there and I know that, that life is, is, is different there, even though it's still a nice life, but it's different. And, um, I just can imagine how difficult it is for people, you know, yeah. to being forced to flee, to flee their homes, you know, to, to give up everything. Um, and um, to start to start completely from zero, you know, without anything. 
So um, obviously when we got first in touch with UNHCR, um, I felt privileged, you know, to kind of um, also share a little bit maybe my story, even though it's completely different to a refugee. But um, I could see I could see a lot of parallels, and um, and yeah, um, I think in general, if you have a privileged life, um, you ha you also have a responsibility, you know, to 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 share yeah. to share it, um, and also to take care of the people next to you, of the people who, who are not that privileged, who struggle. Um, so so yeah, I think um, that's that's very important in general in life. Yeah, thank you for that. I mean, you're also a role model, so lots of people look up to you and. Sometimes just they just need to see that you're helping refugees for them to help refugees. So that means really a lot to me to hear. And um, yeah, so we're talking about Women's Day today. And uh, to me, it's also nice to know who has been your role model and a female role model in your life. Who did you like look up to the most in your life? Um, very simple, actually. It was, uh, it was my, 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 my grandma, I would say. Um, who kind of embraced uh, me as well, but then of course mainly mainly my mom. I mean, uh, my my mom is um, is phenomenal. She she did everything she 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 had to and and even more, you know, to take care of of our family, of uh, of my father, of, of of my older brother, of myself. Um, and thanks to her, uh, at the end of the day, I I am sitting here uh, with you right now and. Um, Having this life, you know, having this incredible memories in my life, having this 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 privileged life, um, full of opportunities, you know. Um, so she sacrificed a lot, you know, to make uh, my mainly my brothers and my life um, as good and as easy as possible for us. And um, she definitely is a, a hero for me, like uh, probably like uh, for 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 every other child as well. Um, and and yeah. Um, I think there's no better way raising a child um, than, 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 than my mom has showed me, you know, and uh, hopefully one day when I have my own children, um, I'll be, I'll be able to, I don't know, maybe just do, do the half of what my mom did, you know, uh, together with my wife. Um, that would be already fulfilling for me um, because I really think she did an incredible job and uh, she, as I said, sacrificed so much for us. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Oh, and um, oh, I just uh, I knew I wasn't sure that that you're married yet or engaged because I saw on Instagram, but I, I don't know a lot. Uh, so tell me a bit about your wife. Like, of course, she also probably inspires you a lot. And uh, she seems like a very strong woman, of course, independent. So that's also something, right? Yeah, she is. She's definitely she's strong. She's independent, as you said. Um, she was born in Italy. She has um, Arab uh, origins. Uh, oh, really? Amazing. Her, her family is from Tunisia. Um, but she was born in Italy. She grew up between Italy and France. Um, so, yeah, um, she, she's amazing. I, I, feel, I feel very lucky to have found someone, someone like her. It took me a while as well. I mean, I'm 31 right now, so <laughs> so I think it's getting the time. The time has come, you know, to get. Oh, yeah, and our in the Middle Eastern and Turkey, it's like for us, it's like old now, you know. <laughs> and, it, it is, yeah. I mean, I mean, you want yeah. to have children as well, you know. You want to kind of, uh, of course, raise of them course. and grow up with them. So, so I was that was always a dream of mine, you know, to have my own family, to have my my wife, my children. So yeah. I feel like I'm not that far away anymore from it. 
and um, I consider myself very lucky. I uh, I found I found uh, the perfect woman. I think uh, with the perfect family. Our families they like each other so much, which is also a very very important for myself to be honest. There's a lot of respect yeah. for each other. So, That's so yeah, very happy and um, looking forward to hopefully a great yeah. future. Yeah, so another question is also, it's a better going on the direction of female because, again, it's, it's we wanted to talk about Women's Day. Um, do you have any female athletes that uh, you looked up to or you think, oh, wow, she achieved something so great? And just like when you watched them play or, or do their sport, it was like, wow, you know? I mean... Um... I was following a lot, actually. I mean, I think, uh, I think, um, as someone who likes a lot also to watch tennis and uh, grew up also uh, a little bit with tennis, you know, watching on TV and in Germany, yeah. there's a big community also uh, playing tennis. Um, and, and, you know, we had, we had someone like Steffi Graf, you know, um, yeah. she was very big. Um, I was, I was quite young back then. But I still, <laughs> I still remember, you know, seeing her on TV, you know, and, uh, winning all these tournaments, you know, and I think she was an inspiration yeah. for a lot of women um, in Germany. Yeah. Um, and um, and maybe also for me, you know, just to see, you know, and uh, to get actually for, for the first time in touch with uh, with uh, females in, in, in sports, actually, um, in a young age. For someone like me, I think also that uh, this was very inspirational. Yeah. Um, yeah. And staying with tennis, I think um, Serena Williams is also very yeah. very big and very a very powerful character you know and uh, very big in sports uh, in the sports world um and has won so much and uh, did so much uh, good also uh, for the world in general um that i feel like that that there are a lot of women out there and uh, obviously someone who's in general following sports like 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 me um it gets it gets also recognized a lot yeah of course of course and in terms of football do you have like a of course i mean you have a, your team But uh, is there a specific women's team that you think they're amazing or, or is there a specific team that you support? I mean, we have a women's team here as well. At, at yeah, exactly. City. And um, I was actually uh, tweeting about, uh, about them, about the player uh, a, few, a couple of weeks ago because they had a, they had a derby against Man United. And yeah. um, I, I kind of enjoyed, you know, watching them. Um, they had over the last few years always a great team. They had always great players. Um, and, um, I, I used to, I used to watch them in TV, um, when I, when I found the time. Um, and, and, and I like it. I like it a lot, to be honest. I think they are successful. They are a good team. They are really good players. Um, yeah. and, um, in, in general, the, in England, I think the league um, of, of the women's, um, is, is, is the highest standard at the moment. So, um, you see a lot of uh, female stars, um, whether that's from coming abroad, you know, the US or Brazilian players or, um, whatever German players uh, also a lot recently uh, coming, yeah. you know, here joining the league. So I feel like uh, it's getting better and better and better. Um, and in general, for us, you know, um, who, who love sport in general, and me, obviously, football yeah. is, uh, has a different meaning from for myself as well. Um, it's 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 really nice to see. It's great to see. Yeah, yeah, it is. I forgot well, to ask um, you actually, who 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 your uh, female inspiration was? Oh my god, is. so many. So many. Um, let me think. Well, Serena Williams has been one of 
the great athletes of all time. Uh, there were there are so many swimmers. There's like Therese Alshamar. She was a Swedish um, swimmer that was literally winning every medal. There is a, an American swimmer. Her name is Katie Ledecky. She's also working with UNHCR now. So it's it's amazing. She she was my idol since I was young. Um, and. I, I did. I met her at the Olympics and she just like won gold medal and then the next day came and met me like nothing, you know, just, that's fine. And this is her third Olympics where she get a gold medal in the same event. So she is like the one in swimming. But uh, but in general, there are so many women that, that I look up to and when you see just how they come back after like getting a baby or having a family, starting up a family you know, being pregnant and all of that. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like I'm now and I'm, I'm struggling with the time management and so on. So I have so much respect um, for any athlete, to be honest, for that matter. Uh, but women, especially that, you know, get a baby and then come back and then still win medals. This to me is, is very, very inspirational. And um, yeah, thank you so, so much. Uh, that was really fun. And uh, I think we both can say that sport helps people all around the world to find a meaning to find a home me as a refugee it helped me a lot to 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 get back to community to to feel at home again so um i hope we have like some kind of projects in the future where we work with refugees who knows but uh yeah i i i'm i'm really honored that i had to, to talk with you and uh hopefully i'll get to meet you and your wife one day <laughs> but yeah thank you well, yeah the honor and pleasure was mine thank you very much for sharing your incredible story of course i really appreciate it, it was it was great to hear That was the conversation between Ilkay Gundogan from Manchester City and the Olympic swimmer Yusra Mardin. I really, really liked it. I think there was a lot in there. From the incredible journey Yusra had to go through as a refugee to the role sports play in both their lives and Ilkay's personal reasons to support the UNHCR. I want to thank Ilkay Gundogan and Yusra Mardini for this special episode. For more info on the UNHCR or if you want to donate, you can go to unhcr.org. Follow this podcast in your podcast app to never miss an episode. And if you want to show your support, you can give our podcast lots of stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That really, really helps us. All right. My name is Sam Verraalte. Thank you for listening. And on to the next story in the home of football.